Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights for Game Week 23 of the Premier League season. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you. A podcast put on by Pinnacle with the data provided by InfoGoal. Our streak of profitable weeks continues and we dip into a match week with plenty of compelling games. And at least my, from my perspective, lots of plays to make. And that's kind of the nature of things, at least here in North America, Jake. It's Super Bowl week. I got my Philadelphia Eagles sweatshirt on here. Go birds, fly Eagles, fly. It it was compelling to see that the book opened on Pinnacle at Eagles plus one, immediately shifted to minus two and a half. I jumped on Eagles minus one right away. And that's exactly where the market has settled. Uh, Do you have Super Bowl fever over there in the UK? Um, Not just yet. No, it's not caught on you just yet. I think uh, I'm a massive NFL fan myself, but I don't know. I think the probably the the issue we have is that there's such a long break between the you know the last round of the playoffs to the to the Super Bowl like you know it's the championship rounds two weeks after before I think that's quite a long layoff like you can understand why from a sports perspective and a viewer perspective you get players back fit you can you know work on game plans etc to make it the best spectacle but you just want it there and then you know it's on the it's on the it's fresh in everyone's minds the after championship weekend and then you have to wait two weeks yeah like, what it's the buildup. It, it allows the books to settle. From an Eagles perspective, I'm with you. I wish the game was played right away. Mahomes' bad ankle, Kelsey potential back issue. You know, betting against Patrick Mahomes, I should know better, but I backed him in the Super Bowl when they took on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got burned. Hopefully he doesn't go the other way and burn me this time around as well. Uh, look, plenty of NFL content as well on our NFL Insights podcast that's upcoming in the build-up to the Super Bowl. So keep it locked at Pinnacle across the social channels. Uh, As for last week, narrow victory or narrow profit uh, on my part, Jake. Five wins, four incorrect, but the plus numbers all came through. Under the number Everton Arsenal, go Daichi in football is coined by you, <laughs> uh, Jake Osgathorpe, at plus 106. Brighton win to nil over Bournemouth, plus 121. What a great number there. And we both backed Wolves on the handicap, plus half a goal at plus 102. And both of our best bets came through with Brentford doing the job again against Southampton for my backing as well. So it, it turned out to be a decent week, although the record wasn't great. The, the plus numbers and the best bets ensure that it was another profitable week here in 2023. Exactly, yeah, and you know, landing both best bets is is key. Really, they're our biggest fancies. But you know, I think I think probably would both say that our second biggest fancy was Wolves with a handicap. I mean, that that yeah. number just looked like an absolute gift at the time, and it proved to be the case, didn't it? Um, just just how bad Liverpool have been, and Wolves obviously on a little bit of an upward trajectory. Yeah, no, no kidding. As well, um, were you surprised how poor? Liverpool were it was really a week of upsets I'm not sure if that was the result that stood out for you Spurs went on to beat Man City Everton of course beat Arsenal 1-0 Arsenal weren't very good in that game as Sean Dyche announced his return back to Premier League football what did you make of the match week because at the top of the table really all the top sides were dropping points 
Yeah, they, they did. And, um, you know, it, it nearly was all of the top four, wasn't it? Because Man United reduced to 10 men, hanging on to a lead against Crystal Palace. So it could have been a full house of the uh, of the top four. But, yeah, um, I think the, the defeats for Arsenal and City were kind of a little bit concerning for both in different ways. Um, I thought Arsenal, that was as tame as we've seen them look all season long. It was actually their worst attacking display based on expected goals yeah. of the season so far. So... Um, whatever Dyche did, you know, there's plenty of videos going around on social media as to how he set his team up tactically. Um, you know, what he did there was really, really effective. And maybe it'd be interesting to see if that's used as a blueprint by Arsenal opposition moving forward to try and limit their their threat. Also, interestingly, they were exposed by set pieces from Everton quite a bit. Um, Everton's biggest chances came from the dead ball situations. So maybe one to keep an eye on there. Um, generally, they've been good from set pieces, Arsenal this season. So it may just prove a one-off. Um, and then as for City, they just look really flat. Like, I don't know what Pep's up to with his Pep roulette. It's getting a bit bizarre now. You've got Gundo and De Bruyne, Foden out the team, coming off the bench. Um, you know, early Haaland's dropping into the, the number eight position to pick the ball up because he's that, you know, out of the game. Yeah, something's not right there. And obviously they've had all the off-field distractions as well with the 100-plus breaches of, um, you know, financial improprieties all sorts of stuff that's been happening over here that's all over the news and people calling for points deductions relegations strip titles all sorts so um be interesting to see how that affects them but just on the on the pitch they were really poor and against a Tottenham team that had been shipping chances left and right they didn't put up much at all in terms of creating before we crack on with the games this week it was funny because the Arsenal game was early on Saturday. They dropped points, and in our WhatsApp between between us, we we're like, "Oh, the Arsenal." Well, at least I was the Arsenal fade, and we were mentioning last week. We were saying probably last week was the time to get on Man City if you wanted to back them to win the Premier League. They're now plus one thirty five to win the Premier League or Man City. Arsenal at minus one forty. Is this now the time? Like there were famous <laughs> last words, right? Because then they went on to lose to Spurs. So, <clears throat> what do you make of the futures? Um, for, for the for the champion and whether there's enough concern or enough red flags when it comes to Man City that would keep you off that number. Yeah, well, it's a big week, isn't it, in terms of the title? Because not only have they got both potential home banana skins, you'd have to say this weekend, Brentford and Villa, but they also play each other next week, midweek uh, on Wednesday. So you know that that first meeting is actually at the Emirates, which you'd have to say. You know, it, it will favour Arsenal if that was at the Etihad. It, you'd, you'd probably fancy City's chances of winning more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a strange one. If, if Man City, if Man City were performing at a level, a consistent level where they, you know, they were reliable and they were kind of you knew what you were going to expect, even if it was you know win three, lose one out of four, etc. You kind of know what you're going to get. And generally, we have for the last four years, we've known the kind of levels that they're hitting. But recently, the way in which they played, you know, particularly at Man United and then at Spurs, two kind of big six opponents away from home, they've been really poor. Like the, the attacking figures, I think it was less than 0.7 XG against uh, Old Trafford and just over one against Spurs. So they, they've really struggled to create chances against what you would call the better teams in the league. That has to be, you know, major. I mean, it's put major doubts in my mind anyway, given the fact they've got to go to the Emirates. Um, on Wednesday and, and you know if, if if Arsenal do win that game the gap stretches to eight with a game in hand so um, yeah I'm, I you know, I thought last weekend was the time 
when you messaged me, I was fully on board. I, I was now was the time. Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd back Spurs. I'd back City to beat Spurs um, as one of the bets. I obviously wasn't expecting Arsenal to lose, but I thought they might drop points. Um, but yeah, I'd, I don't know if I trust City enough to even say now's the time. I really don't. Um, yeah, I, I think the prices are probably fair. I don't think there's much juice in either in terms of value. Um, so I'm, I'd be just happy to kind of give it a watching brief for now because I thought last week was the one where Man City would really kick on, make a statement at Spurs. Um, and yeah, they look really flat and were really underwhelming. Uh, I'll just say this, the financial fair play breaches the cheating over a decade by Man City, let's be honest here. <laughs> Is that coming from uh, a Manchester United fan? Uh, that's coming from a football fan. They punish <laughs> everyone in the footballing pyramid. It's not just United. But those breaches this will unlikely be settled this season. So any points deduction is highly unlikely. Unlikely. I don't think that this number reflects that. I think it reflects the the certain the current standard and what's being what's playing out right now in the Premier League. But I will say this: I I kind of do like that number for Man City ahead of the Arsenal game midweek. We'll get into that on next week's podcast. We're going to do an early one ahead of that game. But Spurs have been a bogey team for Man City. They beat. City five of the last seven times that they played. So let's just call that a continuation of a of a crazy trend. Um, and I'm thinking that Man City um, will get back on track in, in, in quick order. We'll see how it plays out. Difficult game this week, although they are playing at home against Aston Villa. Uh, that game will feature in our rapid fire section. It didn't make our featured five or our five biggest games or the five feature games. We'll go through those first, then we'll go through the rapid fire and we'll go through some future futures bets that are available on pinnacle.com as well. Uh, are you ready to go? Let's get dig into this this weekend. And let's yeah. start off uh, West Ham seven, sitting 17th place in the table facing ninth place Chelsea. West Ham are on 19 points coming off a 1-1 draw at Newcastle. Uh, and that's coming off a much needed win before that over Everton. Uh, Packet to finally scored a scored an important goal for this team. They really need him to play to get David Moyes aside to propel them up the table. Uh, they did lose the XG battle 1.51 to 1.33 in that game. The good news for West Ham, they've conceded just two goals in their last five in all competitions and haven't lost in three now in the Premier League. They are four, five, and one at home. They have the eighth best home expected goal differential according to InfoGoal and the fifth best expected goals against at home. Uh, they've played to the under two and a half goals in each and every one of their five last games in all competitions. Zuma and Carer are both going to be out this weekend. Skamaka getting close. He may be available uh, in some capacity for David Moyes this week. Chelsea, snooze fest city, I should call them. Back-to-back goalless draws. Fulham and Liverpool um, against Fulham, a 1.30 XG to just 0.52. Defensively, they've been solid. But from an attacking perspective, they just look lost. Lost. It was a debut for Enzo Fernandez in that game and a full debut for Mudrik, who was actually sick and was taken off at the half. They haven't conceded a goal in their last three either. Two, three, and two in their last six Premier League games. Just five goals scored in their last 10 Premier League games overall. Their away form has been shaky, three, three, and five on the season, but they do have the sixth best expected goals against away. They've played the under two and a half in eight of their last 10 games. Wesley Fofana looks to be available. I'm not sure if, if Graham Potter will 
that will really matter because his back four looks pretty settled right now. It looks pretty decent. Kovacic is a question this weekend. And Zhao Felix, this is the final game he'll be suspended. Chelsea won head-to-head in this game in September uh, at Stamford Bridge. It was a 2-1 final. The XG relatively level 1.31 to just 1.23 in that game. West Ham, no clean sheets against Matt against Chelsea in six and Chelsea have been first to score against West Ham in five of their last six. Um, what do you make in this one? It's kind of hard to gauge Chelsea because overall the players are impressive. Potter's trying to put together this new looking team on the fly, but their inability to put the ball into the back of the net has to make you hesitate before you make any play that's backing the blues. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm not going to be taking one of those plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you've said there they struggle to put the ball in there. West Ham, same issues. Uh, so I'm looking down the the angle of opposing goals. A um, couple of ways you can do this. The under two and a half. Uh, I mean, the line's set at under two and a quarter. But I was looking at under two and a half at minus mm-hmm. 142. Um, I looked at that. I think it's a bet, but I'm not going to pull the trigger on that because I've got a different play that's a better price. Um, I, w- I wonder if we have the exact same one. We, <laughs> we might have do. gone down the same rabbit hole here. Um, I'm going to take both teams to score no in this game, um, which is at minus 110 currently on Pinnacle. And you know the reason for that is if you think it's going to be a low-scoring game, the chances are one of the teams aren't going to score, basically. One team's going to keep a clean sheet. I won't be surprised if both kept a clean sheet and this finished nil-nil because Chelsea have got a a bit of a habit of that at the moment. Um, but yeah, West Ham, over the course of the season, they've actually ranked as the fifth best defensive team in the league based on expected goals per game. Um, yeah, it's a good starting point for this bet. And then Chelsea come into this since the restart have allowed just 0.94 expected goals against per game, which is the third best over that period. So, um, and you know, that 0.9 figure actually includes matches against City and Liverpool, who are the two best attacking teams in the league based on expected goals. So um, they're trending in a really positive direction. As you said, he's got a, back, uh, a very settled back line now. Um, but yeah, neither team are creating chances whatsoever. You know, West Ham, I think in the last seven matches, they've racked up just 1.3 expected goals, four per game. Chelsea, um, as you said, they've scored just five times in seven in the last seven since the restart. Um, so yeah, the, the both teams score no appeal. And then I looked at the kind of click rate how often it's landed this season. It's hitting 62% of West Ham's matches and 57% of Chelsea's. So you combine that for a 59% strike rate. Um, and yeah, ultimately that gives you a, a value price. Um, it should be closer to the one, minus 140 you're getting for the unders, but we're actually getting it at minus 110. So yeah, both teams to score no. The only way this loses if, is obviously if both teams hit the net. And I think that's very unlikely given the defensive strengths and the attacking inconsistencies. What what do you make of why this team, why this Chelsea team is playing this way under Graham Potter? Uh, a, a, a manager with Brighton, his previous club, you know, they were XG darlings to a certain degree, weren't they? They were, yeah. They, they're getting back to that. They're getting back to that. They had a wobble. Um, was it six games before the break? They had a, a really bad patch where they lost the match, lost matches and, and lost the XG battle. But since the restart, there's only Manchester City that's actually won the XG battle against Chelsea. So they've won the XG battle in six of seven, um, which is, you know, is, is, it's a pretty decent place to start. Um, you'd have to say it'd be unfortunate in some of those matches. Some of the games have been close in terms of the expected goals, like Forest, the Forest game, they, they edged it. Um, but there are the signs there that 
things are coming together. And I think that, you know, people probably forget looking at this current Brighton team that is just absolutely nuts. They're scoring goals for fun. They're really entertaining to watch. Potter's Brighton team were very much more controlled. They weren't mm. as flash. They weren't as high scoring. They were very much defence first, keep, you know, control the game using possession, using systems, using bodies. Um, and, you know, ultimately create overloads in the attacking areas and make sure you've got your players in the right position to pick the ball up high up the pitch. So, you know, the signs are there that he's getting back to that. And, and you know, this Chelsea team is starting to replicate it because defensively they're looking much more tight at the back. And if you've got a really solid defence, then you've got a great chance of winning a lot of football matches. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it'll all come together eventually. I think they brought in some really good players that, that will help that. Um, when Felix is back, you know, he made a, an unbelievable cameo against Fulham. Is it 60 minutes he played? He looked fantastic. So if you can get him back into the into the fold and uh, alongside all the other players that they've brought in, you know, there's there's the signs that they could be a team that could be very dangerous in the second half of the season. Not that I'm saying they're going to crash the top four or anything, but you know, they'll definitely be much more competitive than what we've seen. Yeah, I, I just can't back that happening this weekend. I know Zuma's out for West Ham. A guard's played very well, the Moroccan centre-back. Yeah, he's, he's been very impressive. And things look a little bit more stable under David Moyes, yet not spectacular. That's why I kind of went down the same path as you. I looked, I wrote down both teams to score no at minus 110. But I went a step further because I think it's going to be a combination of both teams to score no and under two and a half goals. And it gives me a little bit more juice here at plus 117. You know, I like my plus numbers. So let's combine that. It brings in the potential for a 2-0 uh, in this game as well. I think it could end 1-0, 2-0, one way or the other. So let's back that. Both teams to score no under two and a half at plus 117. Yeah, I just hope for your sake, Chelsea don't find the scoring boots and win 3-0 or something like that. It could happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, that's the risk. I, I've, I've said is, that yeah. in back-to-back weeks against Liverpool and Fulham. I backed Fulham-Chelsea to go over two and a half goals. Didn't even close. They could have played for two days, and I just didn't think that anyone was going to score in that game, which is surprising considering that Fulham has been – a bang on over team up until the last two weeks where things have become a little bit more quiet as well. So uh, we're both on the same page. Let's put it that way for West Ham Chelsea to start the weekend off. Um, let's keep things in London. Another uh, matchup between two London based sides. It's Arsenal and Brentford. Arsenal still atop the table on 50 points. Brentford, like they're the team that no one's talking about. Well, very few people are talking about because everyone's cast their attention to Brighton. But Brentford has been, have been full value as well, coming off another win last week. Arsenal, the one not nil loss to Sean Deitch's Everton, their second loss of the season. They lost the XG. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast, 1.91 to 0.76 away at Goodison Park. And they've, both, they've lost back-to-back games in all competitions. Um, they won their last four away games, however, coming in, uh, coming into this one, a combined nine two, no clean sheets in their last three in all competitions heading into that game. So it was kind of off script for Arsenal to play the way they did. They're eight one and zero oh, at home this season, twenty five goals for, just ten conceded at the Emirates, and they have the third best home expected goal differential on the season. Brentford are coming off that three nil victory over Southampton, two point two eight xg to just 0.75 according to info goal they haven't lost in their last nine premier league games their last loss in the premier league 
I keep on saying this, October 23rd at Aston Villa, four clean sheets in their last five Premier League games as well. Uh, It's wild what they're doing on the season. They've scored 35 goals with an expected goals of 36. So that number kind of spot on 28 goals conceded with 29.8 expected goals against. So they're kind of punching the right with their weight and what the numbers uh, suggest to us. They are two, five and three away from home on the season. This is kind of being their weakness because they've been so good at home, 12 goals scored and 18 conceded. But in terms of expected goal differential, just a minus one, their last four away Games have been much better for Brentford. Draws against Leeds and Forest and wins over City and West Ham. First to score in five of seven in the first half winners, six of eight. And they're almost completely healthy as well. Arsenal won the game between these two sides earlier this season. It was a 3-0 final, a 0.51 XG to uh, 1.14. So Arsenal are still favorites ahead of this game and pretty considerable favorites as well. Is that based upon Brentford's poor away form and the fact that Arsenal has, has been as good as it gets in terms of their home form this season? Yeah, they, they are, I think, the second best home team in the league behind Man City based on the underlying data. You know, they've been pretty flawless barring that kind of... Um, well, really dull nil-nil against Newcastle. They've been exceptional. Um, you know, I, I hinted to it earlier, though, the, the way in which Everton created chances and exposed Arsenal. And give me a little bit of concern in this match because I think Brentford, while they don't play the same system, they obviously don't have the, the, you know, the same kind of players, but they play in the same kind of style in the sense that they're very hustle and bustle, the very the system or the, the, the tactics, the, the formation, very tight, very difficult to break down. They press, um, they'll probably press at the similar rate as to what Everton did. Um, and they, they've got a strength from set pieces. And we saw Everton cause problems for from set pieces. The goal obviously came from a set piece. Uh, so I think that that could be a potential issue for Arsenal. Um, I, I mean, for me, the, the, the bet in this one is both teams to score. I think it's, it's plus 100. So, Pretty much an even money bet, and I really like it as a bet. I think you know Arsenal—they've not actually been as solid at the back at home as many people would think. Mm-hmm. They've scored, or they've conceded multiple goals three times against Leicester, Liverpool, and Man United. Uh, while I think it's Fulham, Villa, Spurs, and West Ham have all got on the score sheet as well. So both teams to score actually landed in seventy-eight percent of Arsenal home matches. Uh, Brentford traveling—they're actually the sixth best attacking team away from home. Um, you know, the, the record's not great, but they create chances when they travel uh, and they've actually scored in 70% of their away matches. So I, I think this has got all the makings of being quite an entertaining game. Um, so yeah, both teams to score for me. It, it, it might be might be my best bet. Come back to me at the, uh, at the end of the pod for that. But I just thought that the number was just a, a little bit big um, and potentially a little bit disrespectful for, again to, towards Brentford who yeah. are performing like a top six team. And, you know, generally when top six teams play, play other top six teams, then both teams to scores a lot shorter than this. <laughs> both have got the uh, attacking talent to cause problems. So yeah, yeah that, that's, yeah. that's my play in this one. I, I like this Brentford team. I, I, I really do. Um, there's nothing flashy. I think Rico Henry at left back is being excellent. Um, and I think that Arsenal, what they're starting to show is if Saka and Martinelli can't get on the ball and control the game from the from, from wide areas, they're a team that, that that can be dealt with. Now, 
You know, this is me. I've been looking for these opportunities to fade on Arsenal. And and this is the proper context for me because Brentford are a considerable underdog here. And even if Arsenal go on and win this game, I like the chances still coming away with a winning bet. Brentford went to Man City and showed absolutely no fear against the best, for me, and best statistically, the, the best home side in the Premier League this season um, and came away with a win there. I... I Brentford with the handicap plus 1.25. So if Arsenal go on and win this game, you still win a half bet at minus 102. And that number is going down, by the way. It's pushing towards an even number as well. Um, that's too good to pass up for me. I think that Brentford are being undervalued. I have questions about what this Arsenal team and how good they actually are and whether they're going to be be able to see this through. They were a significant favorite in every game now based upon their context. Are they that good? Were they punching over their weight in the first half of the season? For me, perhaps. Uh, they beat Brentford 3-0 earlier this season. There's certainly not three goals that separates these two sides. So uh, Brentford on the handicap, 1.25 at minus 102. That's my play, Jake. Yeah, no arguments. I've got this down as 2-1, which would see you in for a half win, which you would absolutely take. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there's, that there's, I think I said it last week, didn't I, when they were playing a host of Southampton, there's, there's still either the bookies aren't willing to trust Brentford or they're just disrespecting them altogether because there's no way, I think they went off at um, was it minus, around minus 109, something like that in that game. Um, yeah, you've got the same here. You've just got a Brentford team that are absolutely flying. They're playing and performing like a you know top six side on all the underlying metrics, but yet, you know, the handicap set at plus one and a quarter. I think I think you might be right. I think by the time that kickoff comes, the handicap line might actually drop to plus one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you might and, and then you obviously just you, if, if Brentford avoid defeat, you get a win. If if they lose by one, you just get your money back. So if you do like a pro Brentford stance, then definitely take it now with the extra kind of uh, boost of even if they lose by a goal, then you're still getting half the payout. Do, do you subscribe to there's a look ahead game? I mean, I mean, it's very popular in North America's North American sports, but they also play Man City midweek as well, Arsenal. And, and sometimes I can play into the psyche, you play into the approach of the manager, knowing that another big game is upcoming. Do you buy that? Is there any statistical analysis or number that's put to that, what do you make of it, Jake? Um, no, no, I don't. I don't buy into that. I think that these coaches now, well, particularly obviously from the same coaching tree, Guardiola and Arteta, I think they're very much a, you know, they they, they won't let the players get ahead themselves because they know that if if they do, you know, they, I think if it would, it'd be slightly different. I think if you got Arsenal playing Bournemouth and Man City playing Southampton. Then you probably think, okay, you know, we 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 only have to be switched on seventy percent, and we'll probably win the game. With Arsenal playing Brentford, a team that are you know high, they're flying high. They've probably got one eye on potentially crashing the top six. You've got Man City taking on Villa, who are a very tricky opponent, in you know managed by Unai Emery, who's got some unbelievable scalps over the years. Then I think they'll have them switched on and ready, and just say, look, you've got to earn the right to play in that Man City uh, Arsenal match. You've got to, you know, if 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 one of them slips up. Then all, all of a sudden, the kind of the build up around that game won't be as much and it won't mean as much. So you've almost got to sell that to the players. I don't think it factored into any pricing or modeling, that kind of thing. I know it's, it is a term I've heard quite a lot, um, particularly in basketball, but maybe that's because they play 
pretty much every other night. A lot of games. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So you've got a little bit more time to recover. You know, if if you do have a slip up, you've got more time to recover because more matches. Um, so yeah, it is it is interesting. And I think that the the schedule has worked out very nicely because we've got two tough matches, I think, for both before they play each other. So um, yeah, they're gonna have to definitely focus on these two. All right. Uh, go on, Brentford. They've been an absolute peach at home in terms of rewarding betters all season long, a team that's been overlooked. Uh, it's time to continue some very good away form. Uh, let's go to another good rivalry game this weekend. 12th place Crystal Palace against 6th place Brighton. Uh, Jake did a feature on whether there should be some worry about Crystal Palace's current standing on Sporting Life this week. Kudos to you for that. They lost 2-1 at United after back-to-back draws against good sides. United and Newcastle before that. It was a 2.18 to 1.55 XG in that game. They lost that battle. Some of that uh, was affected by Casemiro sending off in the 70, uh, 70 something minutes. Sorry, I don't have the specific, but then which kind of tilted things. Schlupp then scored a goal, made things interesting late as United were able to hold on to win that game. Will Zaha did not play. Palace hasn't won in the Premier League in five and no win in their last six in all competitions. They're the third worst expected goal differential overall. 19 goals scored, 29 against. It's just a nightmare. And the XG uh, expected goal differential is even worse. 23 to 35.5 expected goals against. They have been okay at home, 4-3-4. and four. 11 goals scored, 16 against is less than flattering, but they have come away with those two aforementioned draws in their last two home games. Zahad Warder out, and Anderson is unlikely at centre-back for this matchup. Brighton, another win, a 1-0 victory over Bournemouth, 2.06 XG to 0.93 in that game. Uh, it's their first game in eight in all competitions. They didn't score at least twice. Boring. Uh, still 22 <laughs> goals overall in their last eight games and no losses in their last six as they stay absolutely on flames. The, this, it was also their first under two and a half goals in their last 10 Premier League games, and they've been first to score in five of six. They're five, two and three away from home, and they've scored the most goals away from home per game uh, away from home in the season. Uh, 21 away goals in 10 games. Um, notably, McAllister suspended this game due to accumulation. Colwell is a big injury at the back. Didn't cost them last week against Bournemouth, but he is a notable miss. And Ferguson and Lalana are close to returning. Uh, it's their first meeting of the season. Palace no losses in six against Brighton. And Palace no clean sheet also in their last four against Brighton. Brighton, however, no clean sheet in 10 against Crystal Palace. But these two sides somehow have still gone under the two and a half goal total in five of their last six. But both teams to score is cashed in nine of their last 10 meetings. If, so a lot of one ones are being played between these two teams. Um, notable absences for both sides. Two teams on contrasting form. Yet the home side, the team that's struggling, it could be an enticing play in this game. I know you did your feature on that. You shake your head already. Explain to us why Palace is a team to absolutely stay away from and maybe a chance to ride Brighton again heading into this rivalry game. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll go on. I'll, I'll talk about Palace in a second, but I just think, I think this Brighton price is a bit short for me. Uh, I'm a, Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Brighton, have been for a while in terms of the way which they play and the price, but 
and, and the, the kind of process. But um, when I did my notes, they were plus 107. That's actually shortened to plus 104 at the time of recording. Um, I think that's a touch too short for me. I, I, you know, Palace are bad. Palace are playing really bad football. But this is a rivalry game. And, you know, I think McAllister is is one of the players that you would have to put in the ballpark of a, as a key miss for Brighton. Um, yeah, I don't know if I quite trust them just yet at this kind of price. Um, you know, Man United went to Crystal Palace a couple of weeks ago. And they went off just a bit shorter than this. You know, our Brighton are at that kind of level, is what I would say. Um, as for Palace and to what why to stay away, they've basically performed like a relegation team all season long. Last season, you know, if anyone had listened to the the preseason podcast will have heard me, you know, talk very, very highly of, of what Vieira did at Palace. He got them performing as the sixth best team in the league last season based on expected metrics. Um, this season, everything's just it's just dropped off a cliff, which is really surprising. Um, and it's kind of reverted back to the the levels we saw under Roy Hodgson, which were, again, relegation worthy. So they, they rank 18th in terms of expected goals for per game, 18th on expected goal difference per game and 18th based on expected points per game. So, you know, generally they are or they have been the third worst team in the league and, and things haven't really picked up for them, even since the restart when, you know, you've had a, a, a nice time to kind of reset get back to basics whatever um yeah they, they, they've actually dropped since the restart it was seven matches for them they, they're not the second worst team based on expected points per game only Bournemouth have collected fewer second worst in attack 0.96 expected goals for per game uh and overall expected goal difference the second worst as well so reasons to kind of avoid Palace and maybe just keep one eye on them in the relegation market because you know if, if things continue if the performances continue in the same kind of manner then you know they will eventually get into the position of being you know in serious trouble um but yeah for bright for me Brighton I like I think they'll win the game but I don't think there's a I don't think there's value in backing them to win the game um which is ultimately what we've got to look at uh yeah, so I'm, I've got no bet in this. I've left this one alone from a betting standpoint. Um, you know, Brighton are more than capable of scoring a couple of goals against Crystal Palace. Um, you know, defensively, they've looked really, really poor since the restart. Um, but themselves at the back, you know, they kept a clean sheet against Bournemouth, but generally they, they concede goals, concede chances. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to just give that give it a watching brief. Um, I, like I said, I think Brighton will win the game. I'd probably want around plus 115 maybe plus 120 to to if it, for, for brighton to be a bet no bet for me as well i'm very conflicted i feel like i have the angel and the devil on my shoulder <laughs> and I, I i've made arguments to go both ways in terms of my play here if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis i love brighton i love the over when they play both on a plus number over two and a half goals at plus 107 it's screaming out wheeler bet me Brighton plus 104, Wheeler bet me. But Palace plays them very competitively. Palace have drawn their last two at home. The first number I actually wrote down was Palace uh, with the handicap of plus half a goal at minus 112. So I could convince my side either side of this game. It wouldn't surprise me if it ended in a draw, but I'm just going to make the mature decision and not go with anything here. You're right. I feel like all the numbers are a little bit short. And I kind of feel, based upon some of the absences, that anything could happen. So uh, a, a no bet for me in this game, and I'll stay away. So it's a rare yep. time we both agree on a no bet play. 
So yeah, some, sometimes the the best bet is just to have no bet, and yeah, yeah. you know, if you are conflicted, if you're not 100 percent sure, um, then you know, don't put your money on it. Yes, yeah, you're one of those save it for a play <laughs> later down the line that you are sure of. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I will be watching. I will be watching the result and how it plays out. I think I think it's a fascinating game. Um, but yeah, there's no number that I can back uh, heading into this. Yeah. One. And the the other really interesting thing about the matchup is that um, no matter whether it was Vieira or Hodgson, when these two teams play, Brighton always win the XG battle and never actually win the game. Yeah. So I wonder if that's gonna <laughs> it's gonna change. So last season, um, I think at, at Selhurst it was. 0.51 XG to Crystal Palace to 1.01 Brighton. And then at the Amex, it was 2.66 Brighton to 0.5 Palace, and they both ended 1-1. Yeah. Um, and if you go back even further, Palace won at the Amex time before that. Brighton won the XG battle 3 to 0.3. Um, and then, yeah, the same season, it was 1-1, and it was 1.83 to Brighton and 0.8 Palace. So Palace have just got a knack. Um, in fact, that, that was the game where Palace's only shot came from the penalty spot. Right. Um, yeah, that 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 0.8 xG total was just one shot, which was a penalty. So that, that Brighton generally, what I'm saying is dominate Crystal Palace, but they can never, for some reason, actually win. So it'd be really interesting to see, given the way in which they're overperforming their expected goals under Roberto Di Zerbi. I think they've scored 11 or 12 since the restart, maybe more. But the xG total is actually like seven or eight. So they're overperforming, which is something that we don't usually see from Brighton, and we haven't seen from. Graham Potter's Brighton. So it'd be interesting to see if that overperformance is something that can carry them over this hump and they actually beat Palace for once. Uh, so those are the three feature matches from Saturday. Let's move on to Sunday. How often does this happen? I, I feel like we're living in these weird Premier League times because of the postponements that you have odd fixture setups like we have heading into this weekend. <clears throat> How often do we see two teams play one another home and away back to back in a matter of four or five days, Jake, it, it simply doesn't happen, but we're going to get that between another two, you know, rivals, two sides, two clubs that simply don't like one another. It's 16th place leads on 19 point, uh, points facing third place Manchester United on 43 points. Can you remember this happening like this in recent uh, times? No, not, not like this. Um, you know, we, we've had, I guess, We've had Chelsea, Fulham that have played each other in the space of two weeks um, recently. Spurs we City, as Spurs well, City, but we've not had the same like two two of the same matchups in the same week before. United not, Palace not as well, but but yeah, this you know the fact that the War of the Roses back to back like like Aaron Ten Hag crazy. Eric Ten Hag coming out of the game on Wednesday says, "I wish we were playing the game right away," <laughs> based <laughs> on the way that the last game yeah. played out. And you understand why, because the game on Wednesday played to a 2-2 final where Leeds United and their three managers, it was so weird to watch it play out. You know, I guess three minds are better than the one of Jesse Marsh because they ended up coming away with a 2-2 draw against United, although United won the XG in that game at Old Trafford 2.08 to 0.85, just couldn't put the ball over the line. I thought United were the better side. Started the first half conceding a goal within the first minute. Slow start to the second half. Um, don't think that goal should have stood, by the way. The ball was clearly handled in the midfield in the build-up to the goal. But nothing called, nonetheless, a 2-2 draw in that game. It's the fourth draw in the last six Premier League games for Leeds. 
They did lose to Forrest last weekend, 1-0, which inevitably cost Jesse Marsh his job. Uh, Leeds have played in games that have gone over the two and a half goal total in six of their last eight, and both teams to score have come through in six of their last eight in all competitions as well. No wins in their last eight games. Their last win came at home 4-3 over Bournemouth back on November 5th. They are 3-4-3 at home on the season, 15 goals scored, and 14 against. Uh, For Manchester United, Marcus Rashford, now 20 goals in all competitions, scored again uh, against Leeds. He scored in three straight Premier League games in a row. Uh, Like we mentioned, they beat Crystal Palace last weekend, but it cost them Casemiro through suspension. And Anthony, Anthony, they really missed the player on the right-hand side because Rashford played the first half down that right-hand side. He was injured. Uh, He's questionable for this week and as well back-to-back games however their xg was over two it was a full debut for sabitzer in that game and dallow returned to the starting 11 united have played in games that have gone over the two and a half goal total in nine of 11 in all competitions both teams to score in six of eight and they've been the first to score in seven of eight five two and four away from home just 15 goals score and 20 conceded but their xg is even uh, Martial and McTominay both remain out over the short term. Head-to-head, United haven't lost the leads in their last seven. United did win this fixture last season 4-2, and they've scored 17 goals against Leeds in their five games since Leeds were promoted back to the Premier League. So with no surprise, these two sides have played two over the two-and-a-half goal total in six of their last seven meetings. Does the fact that this wonky fixture list make this game a stay away, or is there something to do with this um, that makes you think there are some there is some decent value and there are plays to be made in this game? Um, yeah, I, I wasn't actually going to have a bet in this, um, and then I just thought I looked at the price and just thought, you know, Leeds for me are a relegation contender. Man United are a top four team. Should Man United be minus 105 or should they be shorter? Um, you know, and for my money, they should be shorter. They should be closer to maybe minus 115. Um, so I'm happy State United to win. You know, that that's just pure price play. And then you factor in the midweek game in which United were by far the better team. Leeds turned it on for what was it, two minutes in the first half and two minutes in the second half when they when yeah. they scored the goal. And, and other than that, you know, it was it was a really entertaining game. Leeds played wide open and, and made it fun. But other than that, they didn't really threaten much in terms of creating chances. So for me, there's a there's a big gulf in quality. And I think Manchester United, I think having you know that the will Leeds have a new manager by this game? Uh I don't think so. Like if, if even if they have a new manager appointed, he'll be in the stand. I don't think he'll be working with the players at that point because it's too tight a turnaround. So it means that Ten Hag and his team have got a little bit of a feel as to what the caretaker interim managers want to do with the team, which I think will only help them second go around. Um, and yeah, you know, United are a team that are starting to create chances at a better rate now, which was my main yeah. concern with them pre World Cup. You know, I was saying that defensively they look pretty sound. They just weren't creating enough. Um, and, you know, pre-World Cup, they were averaging 1.5 expected goals for per game. Since the restart, that's actually gone up to 1.85. So we've seen a, <clears throat> a decent uptick in terms of the um, the creation and creativity within the team. Leeds have still got massive defensive concerns for me. Uh, they obviously had a couple of players go off injured as well in that midweek game. 
So yeah, all of that added together, I'm quite happy to to go with United to win. Um, the, the line's actually just moved to minus 107, so it's actually getting oh, closer right, to really? what I expected. Yeah. When, when, I, when, it, when I first looked this morning and we're, rec- we're recording this podcast on Thursday, it was at minus 104. So yeah. it's continued to shift in that direction, which I'm not surprised. No, that, that's kind of what I was expecting. Like I said, my, I probably would have it between minus 115, minus 120. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see it get to that point. Uh, before the weekend, before the game. Ask yourself this, if Man United had won in midweek, would you still be getting this price? Or is there some result bias that's gone into this price? The fact that Leeds actually went to Old Trafford, held them to a 2-2 draw. So, okay, we'll we'll just make sure Man United aren't that short. We don't think we can trust them. So, you know, if you, it, you look at it like that, and then you look at the actual game and the, the data and the stats, and you see that United should have won the match, then, you know, the, the price looks even better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go with with United to win this one. Um, minus one or seven. Like I said, I'd back it down to minus 115, I reckon. I'm looking at this game in a very similar way. I might actually have three bets for this game, um, which might which might be a first. I, I just, <laughs> look, I'm I'm on United as well. Needs aren't very good. They're just they're just not. They're unreliable at the back. They give up so many cheap chances. I think if Rashford plays the full minutes on the left hand side against Luke Ayling, then it's lights out. It, it, it's game over. Or he can play through the, the middle as well and expose them a little bit more at the back. Um, I think that even with a makeshift midfield, that United can do the job. And I think that you're right. The the, the price. Even at minus one oh seven, I'd probably take him up to minus one fifteen to go on and, and and win this game. And Eric Ten Hag will have this team focused. Like I just really rate him as a manager versus the three-headed monster of whatever going on with Leeds right now. So I like that. I like United to score more than one and a half goals. So the team total section, United over 1.5 at minus 120. There's goals in this game. It showed that over over the years. And based upon the rationale that you provided with them, you know, creating more chances as well, um, it, it's looking much better, better in terms of process for, for Manchester United. And the final one, watching the game, Leeds United, their midfields are a bunch of butchers. Like Adams and McKenney, <laughs> they are fouls waiting to happen. And yeah. I think that when two teams like this, it's going to be a charged atmosphere at Ellen Road as well. Um, United might be a step slow when you're a little bit fatigued and the legs go. There are more of those sloppy fouls with that charged environment. What about over four and a half bookings at plus 106? Like I, I typically stay away from bookings markets here, but this one could be a firecracker. The game was played in such a sloppy manner on Wednesday by both teams, just their inability to hold on to the ball players flying into challenges. Then you build in a little bit more hostility between these two sides that don't like one another familiar with one another might be a little bit more cagey just in terms of the way the games play more fouls. So I don't mind that at a plus number as well. So I'll go over, over four and a half bookings, three full plays in this game. Um, This is going to be a first for me on this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Paul Tierney is the referee for the game. Um, was he 3.35 cards per game is what he's average, but I'm pretty sure he, at the start of the season he was me- a bit mental and he's curved it a little bit. Uh, so I don't see that as a bad appointment for what uh, what could be a card heavy game. I think there's four in midweek, weren't there? Um, 
There were four. In terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've got it up now. The um the record for for Tierney. He, he's he's not been, you know, too unreliable with cards. The start of the season five six four six four six five. So he's got an over four and a half in him for sure. Um and yet. Like you said, I mean, it's quite funny watching Adams and McKenney. Like they just look like walking yellow cards, don't they? Whenever yeah. they step step on the pitch, just... it's brilliant to watch. I, I actually really rate both players. I do, but they're physical, they're combative, they're perfectly suited for an old school version of the Premier League. And mm. the way that Leeds continue to play, this high flying, high pressure. Um, and they're gonna play that way at home in a game against the rival. I just to me, both those players, there could be a sending off in this game as well. It wouldn't surprise me either. So it seems to make sense for me. And as long as Fred is continuing to play in that midfield and featuring prominently, there's giveaways. There, it, it, it puts it, it puts players on skates. Like Martinez could have had booking. Like there were so many players that could have been booked in that game that just weren't. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go with a big three-pack in this game and we'll hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind it at all. But I think there's a... The, the way in which, like I said, both teams play, they're so direct and they're so yeah. quick in terms of the transition that it just leads itself to, you know, even if it's... This, we saw a couple of cynical ones, didn't we? Was it Junior Furpo in midweek who literally just wrestled Rashford to the ground? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm back. Got a piggyback, like a yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'll just ask you, if, if, the, if, the, if Anthony's not fit, would you play Palestri from the start? Because I've liked what I've seen from him um, at the World Cup as well. I thought he looked pretty sharp for Uruguay. He, you know, he came off the bench and he looked really sharp. He was involved in the in the equaliser, uh, winning the ball back. What what it, what I might actually do is I'd probably shift Bruno out to the right hand side, and I'd play Sanch Jaden Sancho underneath because I I feel like Sancho is more of a tactician than a player that's naturally suited to play a wide left position or an outside left position. And when he did come on in the previous game, um, upon his return from Manchester United, he actually played as a number 10 underneath the striker. So I'd be intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how he would fare in that role. So Sancho underneath Bruno to the right and, um, and Rashford wide left. And if you don't want Rashford wide left, you could play Garnacho there and put Ra- Rashford up top instead of Whitehorse. That's kind of how I, I think that United might, that might be their best setup, at least over the short term, um, until Casemiro returns or McTominay is back available for the team. Uh, Monday night football returns and it's the Merseyside Derby. It shouldn't be a good one based upon what's at stake here for two sides that, are looking to get some kind of consistency and for Everton at the very least build on some progress. It's 10th place Liverpool facing 18th place Everton. Liverpool embarrassed 3-0 loss away at Wolves. Wolves had a 2.89 XG in that game as well. Liverpool continue to be a nightmare defensively. Um, It's just wild. In 2023, this is how Liverpool have fared. A 3-0 loss to Brentford. A 2-2 draw to Wolves in the FA Cup, a 3-0 loss to Brighton, a 1-0 win over Wolves in the FA Cup, a goalless draw with Chelsea, a 2-1 loss to Brighton in the FA Cup, and now a 3-0 loss to Wolves. This is Liverpool we're talking about. That's one point in their last four Premier League games, and they've lost the XG battle in every single one of them. They've gone over the total of 2.5 and and 8 of 10. They've conceded in nine of their last 10 Premier League games. They're now 15th. And expected goals against, according to InfoGoal, 15th in that category. 
Uh, it's just wild to see what's happened. However, Liverpool are still very good at home. 6-3-1 and one on the Premier League season, 23 goals for, and just nine conceded. Jota is back in training, but no reinforcements are coming for Jurgen Klopp this weekend. Everton, uh, the, let the Sean Dyche era reign strong over Goodison Park. 1-0 win over Arsenal and a 1.91 XG in that game. A flat midfield three worked for them. It was very Deichian, according to our very own Jake Osgathorpe. He only made one sub in that game. That's because Calvert-Lewin came off. He's a little bit of a doubt with a knock heading into this weekend. It was their first win in nine in their first clean sheet in eight games overall. They still have only scored 16 goals in 21 games, but their XG for Everton is much better at 25.2. Both teams to score has played in six of eight away from home. The second worst expected goal differential in the Premier League, just one win in 10 away games. Uh, Head to head, it was a goalless draw back in September, a 1.53 XG to 2.25. Somehow it stayed goalless. Liverpool haven't lost to Everton in their last three, but before that, Everton didn't lose in the previous three to Liverpool, and there have been three draws in the last six meetings between these two sides. So at home, Liverpool playing at home, still a considerable favorite. I don't know about you, Jake. I cannot back Liverpool as a favorite, no matter who they're playing based upon their current form. So what is the market? What do the numbers tell you heading into the Merseyside Derby? Yeah, I've got the same feeling as last week when you looked at the Liverpool price against Wolves and it just looks too short. Like this is a this is a team that are performing like a, a mid-table to bottom half side um, and they're being priced as a, as a top four contender and ultimately they're not at that level. Like the players might be good. You know, they've obviously had an unbelievable season last season, nearly won the quadruple. But this time around, like, you know, the bookies need to shake themselves and adjust because Liverpool are just a you know the rest they're not part of that kind of elite that that are going to kick on and, and qualify for europe or not unless something drastic changes anyway um yeah you know you, you mentioned it there the results were shocking uh the last four league games we've lost the xg well in all of them against chelsea at home last time out they were really poor they didn't look like scoring um got beaten on the xg there conceded good chances um you know, and the the results at home have been steady. Six drawn, three lost, one, as you've said, but they've not really been explosive. Um, partly, in fact, because they've had the 11th, only the 11th best defensive process when playing at home. So they ship around 1.44 expected goals against per game. Um, yeah, the, the bet I like in this is Everton with the handicap. Um, the handicap line set at plus one. We're getting plus 103 for that 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 handicap line. Um, and the plus one basically means if Everton avoid defeat, we get a payout. If they lose by exactly one goal, we get our money back. Um, and the reason that appeals is because Liverpool in 10 home league matches, this bet has actually won in four of them and it's pushed in four. So it's only lost in two. Um, so it's been a it's been a profit maker. And can you guess the two teams it gets lost to? Uh Leeds, Leeds, right at the bottom of the table. Leeds and uh, Southampton. Yeah, Southampton and Bournemouth is the only two two teams that Liverpool have actually covered the handicap with. Oh, Um, covered. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Beat Bournemouth nine nil and beat Southampton three one. Every other game that they've won has been by a one goal margin. Wow. Um, And you know they've obviously failed to win four times as well. So this this bet's got you know decent recent pedigree. Um, And you know Everton. Like, I honestly think that 
I said it last week. I think that the, the the squad that Dyche has got there, he'll be licking his lips at that because I think they've got a lot of the tools that he likes for playing his style of football. Um, if anything, they're actually better than any version of his Burnley team that he ever had uh, at Turf Moor in terms of individual quality and players. I mean, you look at that midfield three of uh, Anana, Gay, and Decore, like they can do a bit of everything. Yeah, legs um, for days in there. Yeah, absolutely. They're powerful. You know, they're really physical as well, which I like. Um, they get box to box. Like Decore was pushing high, Anana was pushing high. Um, then you've got your tight wingers. You've got McNeil and Iwobi, who can be, you know, a little bit more. You know, the workhorses aren't they? They get up and down. They they can sit tight and protect as well. And you've got Carver Lewin, who's a big bulldozer up front, um, who hold the ball up. He can bully defenders. So there's a lot of tools that that he'll really like the look of, and it's probably one of the main reasons why he actually took the job was because he saw the squad and thought I can you know save them and then kick on. Um, he, we know that he's going to set them up to be difficult to beat here. Um, they'll probably look to set pieces to nick goals. Uh, they've obviously got some big lads in that team. So yeah, I, I think that it's only one game, obviously, but it was a game against the league leaders that had been beaten once all season long um, and they held them to their worst attacking performance of the season. So they, they, it's probably, rather than an asterisk next to it, it probably deserves a little bit more credit than what it's been given, that performance. Um, and, you know, I, like I say, it's one game, but in my mind before that game anyway, Dyche was going to sort Everton out and get them to safety because um, ultimately he's a better manager than Lampard. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I think he'll make them legit. And the bo- the bottom line here is, I don't think they'll get blown out. Even if they lose, I, I think they'll, it'll be a tight loss, a one nil, a two one. Um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them go and get a result at Anfield the way Liverpool have played. I am subscribing to the Daichian theory as well. Everton plus one at plus one hundred three. The consensus play of the week between us two. Decore coming back into the team, big call. I think it's the right call. Relying on the Burnley boys, bringing McNeil into the eleven as well. Tarkowski scored the goal. The key matchup is going to be Mikalenko versus Salah, but other sides have been able to manage Mo Salah. He's like, other than him, where's the threat coming from right now? Everton has more legs in the midfield. I think they're going to be combative in this game as well. Uh, give me Everton plus one at plus 103. So, look at agreed. us. Agreeing agreed again on taking Liverpool on. Yeah. So, Monday Night Football uh, should be a good one. Let's pivot to rapid fire. Uh, eighth place Fulham and 13th place Nottingham Forest. Do you have a play in this game? I do, yeah. I'm going to take the unders, um, minus 116. I know it's very anti what we usually do when it comes to Fulham, but um, four of the last five have gone under two, uh, under two and a half from a Fulham perspective. The goals have dried up. Um, they've created little 1.1 expected goals for per game in the last six matches. Um, and Forest have actually been the seventh best defensive team since the restart. Uh, 1.3 expected goals against per game, but have struggled at the other end themselves. So um, tight game expected. All of Forest's last five have gone under two and a half. Um, so yeah, I thought that price was was appealing. And it's the kind of game that you'd, you'd expect Forest to turn up and try and get a point. I'm backing Fulham here. What did you say right before we, we hit record? You're backing Fulham against Forest, aren't you? You know my feelings about Nottingham Forest. They're a shambles. They're they're punching above their weight. I can't believe they're continuing to pick up points. Really, this Fulham side have played a very difficult schedule over recent weeks. They played a lot of very good teams that you consider top of the table sides. Uh, They've dropped some points, but they're a good team at home, 5-3-3 at home. 
I like Kaylor Navas. That's the only reason why I'm staying away from the over in this game. Fulham already beat Nottingham Forest 3-2 this season. Give me Fulham to win at minus 108. Leicester City, 14th place, coming off a win 4-2 over Aston Villa. Taking on 5th place Spurs, coming off a 1-0 win over Man City. But it did cost them their goalkeeper, Hugo Lloris. Do you have a play in this one from the King Power this weekend? Um, No. No, I don't. Um, I think this is quite a difficult one to kind of gauge. Um, I'm not ready to say Leicester have turned a corner. They, the goals that they scored against Aston Villa were from individual errors. You're not going to get those every single week. Um, Spurs were good versus Man City, but I, I, again, like was that more of Man City being bad as opposed to Spurs being really good? Um, if I was to have a kind of a, a lean, it would be looking at Spurs to win to nil at plus 326. Um, to nil! Yeah, wow. because Le- well, I'll tell you why. Leicester have been the worst attacking team at home in the entire league this yeah, season. They have been. They've yeah. averaged just 0.89 expected goals for per home game, which actually makes them the only side in the entire league to generate less than an expected goal per game. So the way in which Spurs have played, kind of keeping a little bit more controlled since they got blown out by City in that second half. Um, I, I think there's a there's a chance. Uh, in fact, you know, I'll turn this into a small play. A very small play of Tottenham to win to nil because I've just seen the price and I wasn't expecting it to be that big. So plus 326. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Because I love the over. Remember those Austin Powers films? There was Gold Member. Well, this one is about goals member. I love goals. And that's what we're going to see in this game. Madison back in the team. Tete comes over from Shakhtar Donetsk. He looked very good for Leicester City. And Didi's coming back in the team. Evan Samara, both have a chance for Leicester City. Look, I I think that this team has goals in them each and every week, and they can see them just as regularly because I think they have the worst starting goalkeeper in all the Premier League. <laughs> I do in, in Danny Ward, and they can concede. And Spurs have quietly scored 41 goals on this season. That's the third most in the Premier League. I think that they can score as well. Do Danjuma and Poros play this weekend? Perhaps perhaps for Manchester City. These two, remember, played to a 6-2 final back in December. Eight goals were scored between these two teams, uh, and they've gone over the two-and-a-half goal totals in head-to-head in seven of their last eight. So I'm going to go over 2.75. So if three goals are scored in this game, it's a half win at minus 103. Bring on the goals. Might be the highest-scoring game of the week, in my opinion. So I've I've got it as a 2-0 Spurs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good luck with that. I love it. Just <laughs> digging in. This might be a head. I don't think we're going to make this an official head to head, but uh, it'll be a half head to head. How about that? Twentieth <laughs> um, place Southampton taking off fifteenth place Wolves. Do you have a play here? Yeah, it's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? Wolves with a handicap plus no um, minus one nineteen. Yeah, that'll do for me. Southampton all over the place, off the pitch, on the pitch. Jones obviously is in a little bit of hot water. The fans are turning against him. He seems to think he's the, the second coming. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they're really struggling to create chances. Just 0.8 expected goals for yeah. per game they've created over the last um, five matches. And Wolves have been really impressive under Lopetegui. They've played, uh, what's that, seven times? One three, drawn one, lost two, but both defeats have come against the Manchester teams, which you know, two of the best four teams in the league. 
um, yeah, they're the better team, basically. Um, and we can get a, a, a nice number with a, a plus naught handicap, which means if the game's drawn, we get our money back. No bet for me, but if I was to make a play, I have a lean to Southampton. Like, really? Remember, over recent... Over you the, did, this this last, re- did this a couple <laughs> of weeks ago with Nottingham Forest. I, but I'm not making a bet here. This, this is my rationale why I'm not making a play. Because I don't really rate Southampton, but their Premier League play has been affected by not only playing the FA Cup, but playing back-to-back Carabao Cup games against Newcastle over that stretch. So they haven't performed the way I think that they're capable of in the Premier League over the last few weeks. Walker Peters is likely to return. He's such an important piece to this team. And Wolves, they lost He Chang Huang. He's, he's got a hamstring. He's been an important player of this stretch. And Wolves are dogs breakfast away from home. They've only won once away from home in the season. And I'm sorry, scoring three goals at home against the poorest Liverpool side aren't going to get me on this side, uh, on their side in terms of an away game, a, a crucial home match for Southampton here. So no play for me, but I do have a little bit of a lean to Southampton in this one. Yeah, you say Wolves have, lo- have won three times away from home. They play three away once. games in the Lopetegui. Yeah, all right, yeah. once. They played three away games under Lopetegui. They've won at Everton, they've drawn at Villa, and then they lost at Man City, which you kind of expect. Like, that's a decent away record under Lopetegui, which, I, you know, we, we both agree he's a good coach. Uh, I, I think he's more than capable of, you know, doing a real job on Southampton. I don't know about you. I, I think Wolves are probably, the way in which they're sort of progressing at the moment, they're probably the 12th, 11th best team in the league. Like maybe even top half if they carry on, because I do rate the signings that highly. I think mm. they've got a really good squad of players there. Well, um, I, I, I don't think I don't think Southampton are the worst team in the league. The, you know, the, the fourteen goals has been a problem. They bring in two players that p- can potentially help them, but they have a twenty three xg. They're just, you know, it, it should be able to turn around at, at at some point here for Southampton in order for them to pick up some points. And this is a game where they have to, I'm not buying Nathan Jones saying they, they, if players actually care about they versus us, come on, give me a break for me. This is just more of a media story than anything else. Um, But no play. I'm just saying I'm leaning (sighs) Southampton. I I don't rate wolves either. Which way you're leaning? Cause I'll push you the other way. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to have to I'll be like a, a gale force breeze to push me in any other direction, <laughs> but I'm staying away from this one. Let's see how it plays out. 19th place Bournemouth facing fourth place Newcastle. Do you have a play in this game? I do, yeah. I'm going to take Newcastle to win Woo! to nil at plus 151. Um, I thought it was a big number. I think I fully expect Newcastle to win because Bournemouth are just rubbish. Um, since the restart, they Struggling to create chances, less than 0.9 expected goals for per game, allowing 1.8. So basically allowing twice as many chances as what they concede uh, as what they're creating themselves. Um, they failed to score in five of the last six. Um, they've lost five of the last six. All of the loot losses have come, um, you know, with an opponent clean sheet as well. Um, and yeah, Newcastle they struggled a little bit to create against West Ham. Um, I think they've only scored five in six themselves, but they've averaged 1.88 expected goals for per game over that span. So they are creating chances. Um, they're just not putting them away. And, and you know, the other side, the defence has been pretty incredible. Uh, just 0.8 expected goals against per game in that time. So it's hard to see Bournemouth actually scoring. Um, and given the way Bournemouth have actually defended, Newcastle should get chances. It's the Eddie Howe spike game. Uh, again, it, they played to a 1-1. At St. James's Park earlier this season, 
Um, some players are coming back into this Bournemouth side this weekend. Bruno Grimmerich is still out. He's a creative spark in this Newcastle team. No bet for me. Got nothing in this game either. I think that Bournemouth can come away with a hard-fought point here. Wouldn't surprise me. Newcastle, just draw, 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 draw. The goals have started to dry up. It, it, it might be midnight for Newcastle, Cinderella. Might be pumpkin time for Newcastle. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. So not going to touch this game. I'll leave that up to you. And finally, second place City on 45 points. Take on 11th place Aston Villa on 28 points. Both teams coming off disappointing losses last weekend. So who steps up and shows what they're really all about this weekend? Um, I expect Man City to, but I've got no bet in this. Um, yeah, City the best home side in the league based on the underlying numbers. Villa making their own downfall last week, but the results under Emery have been excellent, haven't they? Won five, drawn one, yep. lost two. <clears throat> um, if I was to have a lean, it'd be towards the under on the goal line it's three and a quarter currently um so you know the only way that bet loses is if there's four goals um and i, I can't see that happening so yeah i'm just happy to give this a little bit of a watching brief and, and see what happens uh aston villa on the handicap plus 1.75 at plus 101 villas played city very competitively remember the final game of of last season, the twists and turns there. They played to a 1-1 in September as well. Something not right with this Man City side. I, I, I know they're back home, but they don't have a natural left back anymore. I, I just don't, I can't get behind this City team when you're giving me almost two goals on the handicap. I wouldn't be surprised if they won by a goal, but Villa under Emery is competitive. <clears throat> there will be a response. And three straight away wins under Unai Emery for Aston Villa against Southampton, Spurs, and Brighton. So Aston Villa, you've given me a 1.75. I'll take that on the handicap at plus 101. So yeah, final bet of I the mean, weekend. I don't blame you. I just think the... Uh... Well, I was I was looking at that as well as as a potential just trying to get Villa on side, but whenever City have you know lost away from home, like they, you know they got beat by Man United, they come back and beat Tottenham four two, then beat Wolves. I just think this this City team are a completely different animal at home compared to away from home. They seem to be very vulnerable. If this game was at Villa Park, I'd be absolutely on board with you, Villa with a handicap, because for whatever reason they look to be struggling when they're traveling quite a lot since the restart. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'm not, I've not seen enough bad from city just yet for me to throw them under the bus when they're playing at home. All right. Oh, by the way, look ahead game. <laughs> city <laughs> Arsenal this week. Uh, yeah. Might as well throw that out there. All right. What's your best to, bet? Well, that's what I was going to go to you first as I stall <laughs> and, and I settle on one. Are we going to are we going to have the same one? Are we going to go for Everton? Perhaps. Do you want to just make this a joint affair? Everton um, plus a goal at plus one hundred three is the best bet. It's one of my contenders. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I, I'm tempted to do same thing. Brentford on the handicap away at the Emirates. It does come with a little bit of risk. I, I was considering the over Spurs Leicester City at minus one hundred three as well. But if you want to unite forces here and both stick with the Everton plus a goal at plus 103, I'm happy to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. It's, for me, it's either between that one or the, the both teams to score at the Emirates. That's that's my second biggest fancy. So 
Yeah, we'll go with that. I think I think we've, okay. we've, it served as well last week. We teamed up for the Liverpool uh, Wolves match and we tipped a winner. So, yeah, let's okay. take that one. Okay, a team effort this week here on EPL Insights. Um, remember to check out our Premier League predictions articles on Pinnacle.com. Uh, keep it locked across at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Vodcast. So you can see these pearly whites right here on YouTube <laughs> as well. We cannot wait for the Super Bowl. Check out our bumper NFL Insights podcast that's upcoming this week as well. You can follow myself at Gareth Wheeler, at Jake Oz on Twitter. And as always... Odds were correct at the time of recording, and please gamble responsibly.